0: I like to say, "Whoa!" I like to say that um, that I've been an honorary member of Believers Church for a while. Uh, I think that I just can. Um, every time I'm here, I reminisce about how I used to come to the prayer room all hours of the night because it was the only twenty-four-seven prayer space. And I just remember before we started, you know, meeting at the church that we meet now in 61st and Pura area. I would come, like I would, I would leave work, hang out with Cassie—that's my wife over there—wave with my with our youngest, and uh, and I would leave at like ten, eleven o'clock at night, and then I'd come over here and just pray, you and know, just lay down and go, okay, Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to do in me? So I've been, I I say I'm a member Monday through uh, Saturday, and then on Sundays you don't see me, so it's it's good. Um, Let's pray. Jesus, here I am in my brokenness. Here we are in our brokenness. Asking you in your fullness, would you feed us with understanding and wisdom? In Jesus' name, amen. So I am, I love Pastor Guile and Roger. Roger says he's my midwife. He's been midwifing. Tulsa House of Prayer for a while, and uh, I, I lean into to, to these two uh, really well. So I really honor your your pastoral staff here and love them. Uh, I'm also very formal, you know. I get very structured when I'm a guest speaker, so I'm like, okay, here we are. But I see my tea hot people, so I'll just teach to them, and then you guys can get all the overflow of that. Okay, um, it's really good well let's meditate on the glory and worth of jesus um, it's one of my favorite topics. It is the topic uh it is there is no other topic that the scriptures uh is talking about um, It's inviting us into it's jesus uh, there's 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 no other focal point. The focal point is not me it's not you it's not us it's Jesus and so it is a worthwhile, it is worth our while to talk about Jesus, to meditate on Jesus, to let Jesus confront us, shepherd us, lead us, wash us, guide us, protect us. Yeah, it's just Jesus. Yeah, it's just Jesus. And I think that I like to say that history hangs on two prongs, two, 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 two little hooks. It's the first coming of Jesus and his second coming. And I, and I love that it history has been simplified in that way, right? History has been simplified. Our history has been simplified when we met Jesus and what we did with Jesus. That's, that's our history, right? I was uh, listening to Jonathan's message last week on my way here on uh, Playback Times 2. So uh, it, was, it was going really fast. Um, and, and I said something on Friday uh, to, our, to our group there. I said that the only thing that we'll have when we meet Jesus face to face is our surrender. That's the only thing that we'll have to our name is our surrender. And I think it's, it is a wonderful thing that Jesus has asked us for that one thing and that is... Our surrender. And so, a part of living out that surrender is we get to meditate on Him and we get to respond to what He shows us of Himself. There's also another thing that we see in Hosea where there is this woman, and the Bible says she had a spirit of harlotry, you know, and He was trying to explain expose Israel and say, hey, wake up. You have this spirit of harlotry. You're, 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 you're walking away from me. You, you, you think you can have covenant with me and keep your other lovers. He's like, no, 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 you can't do that. And so he says, Hosea, go marry a harlot and, and, uh, so I can reveal to Israel her harlotry. And, and I love this phrase. It says that Hosea married a woman that loved harlotry. Um, it makes me feel better about myself, <laughs> right? She loved harlotry, and she was seeking her lovers, and, and this is what he promises Hosea. He says, I'm going to hem her up with thorns. I'm going to I'm gonna hinder her from finding her lovers. And he says, and then after I bring her to you, the, he, he, here's the phrase, utter nakedness. He says, then I'm going to woo her into the wilderness. And then I'm going to speak to her tenderly. And there I'm going to give her her grain and her oil and her wine. And I just love that. Isn't that what's going on in our lives right now? Jesus has exposed our utter need for him. He has hemmed us up. He has blocked us. He has confronted us in every single way. And then he's wooing us into the desert. He says, come, be with me, and I will give you your grain, your oil, and your wine. I'll give you your joy. I'll give you your sustenance. Isn't that wonderful? All right. Well, I'll, let me just start off with a prayer. That, that was for free. Now I'm starting. Um, so my 30 minutes begins now, Guile. Okay just want to put that out there. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll speed this up a little bit. One, prayer is not a matter of priority, but it is a response to preeminence. Prayer is not a matter of priority. It is a response to preeminence. I can tell you what most of the time when we are born again, and I mean for real, for real, born again, Uh, not just in our minds and in our concept, but in our spirit, in our hearts. There's something that happens is that we stop being the focal point of the universe, yeah? And Jesus' preeminence is revealed. Jesus is seen as the focal point of all creation, of this age, of the age to come, He is seen in our hearts as the focal point of all who inhabit the world right now. He is the most important person in the universe, in the known universe and the unknown universe. Isn't that wonderful? And Jesus, in him, the Bible says that in him, the pleasure of the Father and of the Spirit dwells. God is fully, ple- he, is, he is pleased to fully dwell in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Again, I'm going to say, isn't that wonderful? Because I want you to say, yeah, that is wonderful. Yeah, that is wonderful. It's a conversation we're having, okay? And so I love how Paul puts it in Colossians. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn from, of all creation, meaning he's the source of all creation he was not created he has been the son uncreated since eternity right and will be the son uncreated eternity future good and so he says he's the source of all creation I love how John puts it by him through him all things were made nothing was made that was made but by him He was the light that shines in the darkness, and he confounded the darkness. I love that. He confounded the darkness, and the darkness has yet to overcome him. It won't. Good. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Notice that phrase, for him. Did you know you were not created for yourself? You were not created for your desires. You were not created for a livelihood to be a wonderful employee and to get a good four hundred one k. You were not created, not even for going only to the nations. I know. I we, we just we just heard I, I, I've sent you to the nations. Sometimes we can make an idol out of our calling and we forget. That we were just created for him. That's it. That's it. And us going to the nations is coming out of that place. I am called for you. Therefore, if you want me to do that, okay, great. I'll do it. Yeah? Our surrender comes out of a place when we are confronted by this loving and relational God that desires obedience out of us. Because he desires us to be truly free. God's obedience or or, or command for obedience in our lives is not for the sake of binding you. Binding me. It's for the sake of freeing me. I remember one of the one of my favorite quotes is that. I don't know where I got it from. Maybe it was the Lord. But boundaries free you up to be who you are. Who you really are. Yeah, is that wonderful? Yeah, it's wonderful. There we go. Everyone's like, "Yeah, boundaries." <laughs> you know, that's great. Okay, here we go. Paul has one general prayer for us, for our lives. I mean, you notice this in First Corinthians or First. Uh, sorry, Ephesians one. Uh, I'm going to go to First Corinthians later, but he says that the Father would grant you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And, and, and he asks this several times throughout the scriptures, but, and says, I'm praying for this, that you, you be filled with spiritual wisdom. There is a wisdom that seems right to us, but it leads to death. There is an understanding that seems right to us, but it leads to death. And God desires to give us his understanding, his wisdom. So the first thing that we ought to do when we approach the scriptures is going, what do you mean by this? What are you wanting to say? Would you feed me with understanding and wisdom? And there are two branches of knowledge according to the scriptures. It's the knowledge of who he is and the knowledge of his will for our lives. Colossians 1 says that he may fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of his will, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. And here we go, increasing in the knowledge of God. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. He wants us to know him. That his will brings us to knowing him. That the knowledge of who and what he wants us to do brings us to the knowledge of who he is. And the knowledge of who he is brings us to the knowledge of what he wants us to do. It's this never ending cycle of love and relationship. Here's, but Paul goes into these three things about the knowledge of who God is. He says, I want you to know the hope of your calling. I want you to know the glory, his glorious inheritance in the saints. And I want you to know his, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Those three things. Everyone say the hope, the, hope. the glory, the glory. And, the and the power. Isn't that wonderful? He wants us to know the hope. So you getting to know Jesus is full of hope. It's full of hope. Also full of despair. Despair in our own strength. Despair in my own wisdom. Despair, oh, I didn't really know. Right? Oh, but now, because I know you, oh, I really know now. You make me know. Get what I'm saying? But hope, hope of his calling for me, you have been created, says Jesus for me about this the glorious his glorious inheritance in you that he ha- we focus on our inheritance in him a lot, Lord, thank you for your peace, thank you for your love oh you're so good to me, thank you for your faithfulness thank you that when i don't really have grace for myself you you give me grace thank you that you you, you are greater than my heart. When, I cond- when my heart condemns me, you, you are greater than my heart. Thank you, Jesus. How about, thank you, Jesus, for what you have in me. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have in me. Thank you, Jesus, for your inheritance in me, that my love for you is your inheritance, my obedience to you. Is your inheritance. My meditation on your worth, on your beauty, is your inheritance. That I am actually focused on what I was created for, and it's you. He has an inheritance in you and I. How about his the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us as we believe we engage his power? Isn't that wonderful? Okay, anyways. Jesus says in John 14, he goes, I want you to keep, I want you to know my commandments and I want you to keep them, meaning he wants us to do something, right? He wants us to obey him. He wants us to walk after him, walk after the ways. Don't be just hearers of the word, be doers. In the American uh, culture, we are very, uh, what we call modern rationalists. That's what we are. We are post enlightenment modern rationalists and we're all up here in thought. And in our culture, knowing is doing. But in biblical language, knowing is not doing. Yeah? Knowing is not doing. And Jesus says, Hey, I I I love that you have the concept. I, I, I really do. I I really love that you you can you can teach circles around it. I, I I thank you that you can sit in front of a person and lead their hearts to truth. That's wonderful. Are you living it out? Because that's what we offer him. We won't offer him all the things we know. We'll offer him all the things that we've done with what we've known. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? It's beautiful. Okay. I told Roger that when I'm a guy. I said I said it, everyone. I said when I'm done, I don't do transitions well. So when I'm, when I'm done, I'll say, I'm done. And then I'll just walk off the stage. Okay? So that, that'll be what it is. Okay, here we go. The supreme pursuit of every disciple is one thing. Know Jesus. Know Jesus. But if, if the fullness of light himself... The light of life himself, the invisible God, the one who is wrapped up. It says in smoke, in darkness, he is wrapped up. Uh, In in Hebrews 12, it says that he's a a consuming fire from the loins up to the loins down. That means you can't touch him. You can't. He says his throne is above the heavens, far above the heavens. I, I, I just... The magnitude of God, the, the majesty of God. Just think about that. The God, when he whispers, I don't know if he whispers. Because when it, whenever he opens his mouth, it's, it says that it's like the, it's like oceans. It's like the, the roaring oceans. It's like many waters when he opens his mouth. I love how we like to fixate on that still small voice. You only find that once in scripture. When God talks to you, it's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, it shakes you. We we, we love the inward witness of of the Spirit. We love Him saying, I believe the Lord is saying. That's wonderful. Trust me, when you stand before Him, you won't believe anything. You'll know. You'll know with all of your heart that the God of the universe, the uncreated one, is speaking. And guess what? He wanted... You to see him. He wanted you to know him. He wanted you to behold his beauty. And so he became a person. There is a hu- there is a human in heaven. There's not just disembodied spirits. There's a human in heaven. There's only one person resurrected. There's flesh. There's a piece of resurrected, renewed earth in heaven. See, I'm getting louder. Because this... Is just ridiculous. <laughs> right? God became flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that wonderful? God, God, you know, the, the, the consuming fire God, the light of life Himself is dwelling in a man. Woo! And Jesus is that incarnate. He's that distilled. God, he's the ark now. Jesus is the ark. Jesus is the temple now. Are you with me? In him do we find, in him can we set our hearts like David and says, one thing will I seek after. One thing do I desire. That one thing will I seek after to dwell in the house of the Lord forever." to behold his beauty, to inquire in his temple. If I'm looking at fire, I go, yeah, that's nice. When I'm looking at an all-consuming fire, I'm like, let me get away from that, right? Jesus is not your fireplace. He's a consuming fire. He's the thing that's consuming the house, yeah? You want to get away from that if it's consuming the house. But God doesn't do that. He says, "Yeah, I'm a consuming fire, but let me, let me, let me distill myself. Let me, let me bring myself into a, into flesh, into humanity, so that you can approach me." Do you know that it is possible to now behold God, and not die? Yeah. Okay. That's wonderful, right? Yeah. There is no fruitfulness beyond this. There's no fruitfulness in prayer, in our works, beyond knowing Jesus. Everything beyond this amounts to dead works. Everything. Everything beyond it amounts to dead works. Yeah? But when we do things, when we say things out of that love for Jesus, out of that pursuit of Jesus, out of that knowing of Jesus. I like to say, if you knew that Jesus was going to arrive again today, who would you love? Who would you pray for? Who would you reach out to? There's an anticipation that the Lord wants us to have because we love that man. Yeah, we love him. There's this cry that he wants us to lean into because we love him. Good? All right, how about this? We don't want to trust in the sovereignty of God in an unbiblical way, right? God shows his sovereignty and he's saying, I'm working in you both to will and to do of my good pleasure. But you still have to do it. You still have to like follow him in it, right? Jesus is when he preaches the gospel, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to die for your sins, I'm going to be the propitiation, I love that word, because it's big, and I couldn't pronounce it for the longest time, but now I can, you know, and so I say it every time I get a chance, propitiation, okay, Um, he's the propitiation, he's the thing that reconciles us to God, and he's the thing that reconciles us to the image of God, it's not just reconciling you to a relationship, it's reconciling you to look like him. And Jesus, and you don't look like God because you have ears and a nose and eyes. Your, your, your flesh has nothing to do with the image of God. It's your nature, it's your character. And that's why Colossians 3 asks us and calls us, invites us, be renewed in the knowledge, put on your new self. Don't, don't take off your old self, put on your new self that's being renewed in the knowledge of the image of your creator. Isn't that wonderful? That we get to look like him again in our character, in our nature. Like I, I like to say that the Beatitudes is the spirit of Jesus. It's, it's the definition of Jesus' spirit. He is poor in spirit. He's actually, there's nothing that he possesses on the earth. And nothing possesses him but God. Are you with me? Completely de- dependent on God. He's mournful. He's meek. I love how he characterizes his heart. I'm gentle and lonely of heart. Good? Lonely. Sounds like I said lonely. Spiritual transformation begins, continues, and is completed with one primary activity. We are to behold the glory of Jesus. And we are to increasingly understand his worth. We are to behold the glory of Jesus and we are to increasingly understand his worth. He is worthy of our attention. You know, when I, when I like to rest, I like to watch Netflix. Whatever on Netflix, you know. I like to binge on Netflix. My wife is like, will you get up from the bed? And I'm like, no, I will not. I want to watch Netflix. Today is my Sabbath. I'm going to watch Netflix, Right? and I'll sit there for eight hours on Netflix. Yes, it's a full-time job on Saturday, okay? I'm unashamed. I'm kidding. I'm a little ashamed. <laughs> Hi, my name's Caleb. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I have I'm um, a recovery. Anyways, all right, but, but, I'm entertained. I love when I'm entertained. My mind doesn't have to work. I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to worry when I'm entertained. It draws me out of myself, and I get to immerse myself into a story. Isn't that wonderful? Well, how much more? The beauty of Jesus draws us out and baptizes us into something of greater worth than entertainment. Yeah? He is worthy of my attention, even if that attention means I'm sitting there for days upon weeks, upon months, upon years, just meditating on him, trying to behold this beauty. How do we behold this beauty? We behold him through the scriptures, by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 says, it's by the Spirit that you can behold the image of Jesus in the scriptures. The veil is taken off, and then you are are, are being transformed in his likeness as you behold him. Like, as we behold him in here, it says you're looking into a mirror. Notice that the mirror shows us not our reflection, but the reflection that we are to be. Have you noticed that? Sometimes when I look at the mirror, I'm like, I really want to get rid of this belly. I'm working out. Don't worry about it, okay? It's, it's going, okay? But, but I, re- I, I, I want to get rid of this. I want to get rid of that. But when you look at Jesus, it's not about what you want to get rid of. It's about what you want to become. Right? It's kind of, it draws you in. It's going, oh, oh, that, that gentleness. Oh, I, 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 I want that gentleness, and it's attainable because I can see it in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Okay. So I like this thing, this exercise that the Lord's given me, and now we're going to do it together, and, I'm, and then I'm going to be done. Okay. Um, there's this exercise the Lord has, has me do, and it's to find Jesus in the narrative. When I'm reading the scriptures, where's Jesus? And, how, and what is he revealing of God? And how can I relate with him? Or how does he desire to relate with me? Sometimes, uh, you, you were talking about Zacchaeus last, last week. Uh, sometimes, I, I, I relate with whoever is not Jesus in the story, right? I, I'm the woman, you know, well. <laughs> uh, some of you will catch that later. Um, I, I I I'm I am i am the woman you know longing for deliverance, longing for healing. I I I'm the I'm the man. I'm I, I'm the I'm blind Bartimaeus crying out to Jesus. You know sometimes I can, really, and Jesus is like, actually Caleb, I don't want you to actually look at them, I want you to look at me. That's that's the focal point. It's not inserting yourself to be the character. It's to see me and. And draw near to that image, draw near to that, that, to what I'm showing you. Is that good? And so what I've done is I've, I've learned that the Lord is revealing characteristics of himself, his nature, his character, even names, so that we can actually draw near to him. Okay, let me, let me give you this example. Um, in Revelation uh, 1 through 3, yeah, I, notice I didn't say revelations this time. Yeah, I said revelation. Um, so it's not revelations, it's revelation. Um, T-Hop gets it, it's okay. Uh, so okay, one through three, Jesus is revealing himself to the seven churches. Do you remember that? Do you know that every time he gives, he gives a correction, he gives a promise, and then he gives a reward. He promises a reward. So correction, promise, reward. Good? And uh, there's probably only like two of the seven that he does not give a correction to, but he does give a promise and a reward. And every time before he gives those promise, corrections, rewards, he would declare, I am, I am from him who is standing before the lampstands, from from him who has the sword proceeding out of his mouth, from, from the first and the last, from the true and faithful witness. He would declare these things. And there was something that I noticed in one of the corrections, the one that proceeds, you know, he says, I am the one that has the sword proceeding from his mouth. He he gives them this correction. He gives them this promise. And he says, if you endure, he says, you'll escape the sword that comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, whoo, you know, that kind of gets really scary there a little bit, you know, you'll escape. If you don't listen to me, I'll, I'll come and the sword from my mouth will strike you down. I was just like, Jesus, you're tender. And he's like, not really. <laughs> you know, I, I am. My tenderness does not violate my, my strength. Right? Isn't that wonderful? Okay, so I'm like, wait a minute. He actually wants us to, 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 to think about how he is revealing himself and to relate to him in that way. Are you with me? Okay, so let, let's think about this. He, he goes, uh, I'm the one who holds the seven stars in my, in my hands, who walks in the midst of the lampstands, the first and the last who died and came to life. He wants us to meditate on this. He, he's the one who has the sharp two-edged sword coming from his mouth, the son of God whose eyes like flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. He's the... I mean, we're just meditating here. He's, he has all the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. <laughs> the, the holy one, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. He's the amen. I like that one. He's the faithful and true witness, the beginning or the source of God's creation. I love that. That's how he wants us to approach him. That's how he wants us to relate with him. It's this mystery that draws us deeper and deeper into relationship with him. How about you focus when you next time you pray? How about you take one of these titles, these roles, and say, I, I, "I'm talking to the One." Just meditate on it. Just say it. I'm talking to the One who has whose eyes are like the flame of fire. Or feed, and just and just as you meditate, let your prayers relate. To that image. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, your, your brain's going a little bit. I can, hear, I can hear the wheels turning. How about the Sermon on the Mount? Let's do three, three things. Sermon on the Mount, there's four central teachings of Jesus. He had the Sermon on the Mount, missions discourse, the Olivet discourse, and then the Upper Rim discourse, right? And, and, and so let's just do three. Let's do Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus sits down and he says, he opens his mouth and teaches his disciples. There's a crowd around him, but he's teaching his disciples. Isn't that wonderful? And then he would say something like, at the end of it, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. I love that, that he's talking for the Holy Spirit. And that's just, that's wonderful. But Jesus shows himself in the Sermon on the Mount as the good teacher. And also, the good shepherd. Let's just meditate on this. Jesus as the good teacher. It, It reveals that Jesus if you read the Sermon on the Mount and you just slowly look at Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, don't just look at the content. Don't just look at what he desires of you. Look at Jesus. He is in an, you, you begin to see he's a brilliant teacher. I, I, I went in my little chill space in Gal's office and I'm like, Jesus, you're brilliant. You're a brilliant teacher. You, you really don't need me. But, but thank you for partnering with me. You're brilliant. Isn't that wonderful? I, I feel like we would trust him a lot more with our life if we really meditate on the fact that he's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he knows exactly what he's doing with us. Yeah? He's a brilliant teacher. He knows how to speak a word in due season and when to humble, and when to comfort. He, he knows how to break it down into parables and relatable lessons. He, everyone was welcome to learn and grow from him, from the least to the greatest. He's brilliant. He knows how to say the right thing that, that catches the PhD and catches the one that just has a fourth. He, he, can, he can get to the fourth grader. Yeah? How about, he's a powerful teacher. He, he spoke with authority. It says that they were astonished at his authority. One commentary says, it's because he never used any commentary. He didn't say, you know, B- Rabbi such and such said this or that. No, he was just speaking as if he had the authority. He had the copyright. He had the claim to the word of God and to the proper image. He does, actually. <laughs> he, he, he really does. He's a powerful teacher. He... He backs it up with transforming and inspiring works of healing and deliverance, knowing the hearts of his hearers. I love that. Jesus was teaching and knowing their hearts. Tell me when to shut up. Just tell me. Okay. Jesus, Jesus, knowing his, his audience, knew their heart. Knew what to say. I love when he says, and knowing their thoughts, he said. I love that. He's a powerful teacher. How about this? He's a successful teacher. He, he, he knows the art of converting a soul. Yeah? It says, many believed in him. John 10, 4, 42. Among the, chief, among the chiefs, the chief rulers, they believed. Jesus didn't have to argue, he was a successful teacher. I love that the same thing could happen to us because there's this thing about Stephen in, uh, I think it's Acts 7, uh, Acts 8. You remember Stephen? It says that they could not refute the spirit for which he spoke. Meaning they, they couldn't argue with him. There, there was the, he, he taught the gospel and the only thing they could do was just stone him. Just get him out of the way. And it says many believed after Stephen's Successful teaching on the gospel. How about, how about Jesus as a lawful teacher? To relate with us, he does not compromise the holiness of his words. Every word that he speaks is lawful. He knows the very words to speak so that we can understand how he's drawing us into his will. He will never violate the law. Did you notice that? He says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And he he says, those who teach and they do it, they will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But those who teach anyone to compromise my, my commandments, he says, they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. He's a lawful teacher. Good. How about this one? Jesus is the good shepherd. I actually like when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I just love that statement. It's good enough for me. Because then I can enter into the benefits of Psalms 23. And want for nothing. I, 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 can, I can enter into it that because he makes me lie down. In green pastures. He, how many of us need rest? Uh, Jesus wants to make you lie down. He, he, he makes us lie down because he's a good shepherd. Yeah? In green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me. He guides me. He comforts me in the valley of the shadow of death. He anoints me. He, he eats with me in the midst of my enemies. Midst of my thoughts and my anxieties, those, those are my enemies nowadays. Is my anxieties, and he eats with me. He sups with me in the midst of that. Okay, let's talk about all of it. Discourse. He shows himself as the bridegroom. He says, "Be like a wise virgin, and anticipate me." He wants to draw us into cries of anticipation by us knowing him as our bridegroom. It, it, this was a little bit weird to me. Originally, because I'm like, I don't want a bridegroom. I don't want to be a bride. <laughs> I'm okay, <laughs> okay. And he's like, No, Caleb, you all are bridegrooms. He, he says the, the corporate is the bride, it, it, and I want you to relate with me in this way, in the same way that a bridegroom that that a bride anticipates her. Her, her wedding, anticipates the marriage, anticipate me in love in that way. He wants us to see not just, you know, end times, knowledge in all of the discourse. He wants us to see him as the bride that's come, or as the bridegroom coming for his bride. Is that wonderful? All right, priestly, last one. And then I'm done. Jesus, the new and living way, fulfilled what the tabernacle and temple was prophesying to us. God, this is what it was prophesying to us, God desires to forgive and purify us so that we can dwell with him. That Leviticus and Numbers and all these other, other laws and washings had nothing to do with God wanting us to be perfect. It, it had one purpose. If you remember in Exodus, he says, I'm going I'm to teach you because I want to dwell amongst my people. I, 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 I want you to walk with me. So he's like, walk with the cloud, You kept saying that. Like, if you had a cloud that walked with you, it says the angel of the Lord walking with you. Well, n- n- not just walking with you appeared right in the middle, right there. How would you live your life? Jesus being this humble and relatable God, he says, I, I, I want to show you how to walk with my cloud. I want, I want to show you how to walk so that I can dwell with you. Yeah? And so this is the end that we see in upper room discourse that Jesus is going, hey, I actually want to open the doors To my dining hall, so that you can come and sup with me. That that was his, that was his whole thing. Prepare. This is how he prepared his disciples for his crucifixion. That the victory over sin and and death and hell, what weren't over, what wasn't done through the resurrection, but it was through the crucifixion. My love, I. I I, I call you friends. You're you're now my patrons. You're you're, you're now those that are are bound to me. Yeah? And and he says, I'm dying because I love you. One of my favorite phrases um, is, I don't know where I got it from. It may have been the Lord. Um, Where he says, Jesus was dying for our sins right and he was dying to save us but but at the same time he was dying because he loved his friends at, at, at the same time he was yet yeah, he was dying because he loved his father yes he was dying so that he can cleanse us from our sins but he also said i'm dying for my friends i'm laying down my life for my friends so Jesus, in the Upper Room Discourse, I, I, I stopped looking at just the content. I started looking at who he was showing himself to be. And he was like, hey, I, I'm, I'm your friend. I, I, I really love you. Yeah? And so I want to encourage everyone here, in your brokenness, in all of our brokenness, I love what uh, uh, Roger said to me last week. I, was, I, I, I confess, text, Roger all the time. And I was confessing pride. I said, I, I, I want to be perfect already. I want to I be seen as progressing and not regressing. I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm broken and I don't want to be seen as broken. And of course, Roger in his very <sighs> loving way. Yeah, very loving way. He says, Caleb, humility is the mother of all virtues And he made this statement about spiritual disciplines. He said, spiritual disciplines does not make us righteous, but they make us wise, open to the grace of God. Make us us wise, open to the love and the grace of God. And I started thinking about that, that God wants us to join him in all of our brokenness, in all of our brokenness and say, would you feed me? Good shepherd, would, would you talk to me? Would you would you light my heart on fire by just looking at me? Just look at me. Just, 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 just bring me into knowing who you are, who you really are, not the version that I have. Remember I was talking about Hosea and the, the woman with harlotry. It says that she, she says within her heart... Um, in Hosea 2, she says within her heart, he knows the kind of woman I am. Right? She, she's going for her other lovers, and she says, he knows the kind of woman I am. He knows that I have other lovers. He knows my brokenness. He knows that, that I can't really be faithful to him. And so she goes after her lovers. And what helps us a lot And what helps me a lot to live out my brokenness and not live out his fullness is a version of him that's not really him. It's just a version of God. And I think that's what apostasy looks like in our age. The falling away, the true falling away. Many people will still be in these pews, right? Coming to gatherings, being amongst us, but have a version of God that is not congruent with who he is with who he really is may it not be so with us may we say Jesus would you open my eyes the eyes of my heart to enter into the true knowledge of who you are all my days yeah I'm done
1: There's a book on prayer, simply called Prayer, by a guy named Hans Urs von Balthasar. That's an awesome name, right? Probably the best book on prayer I've ever read. And really, when you start reading it, you realize, I'm just reading this guy's meditation on God. And that's what Caleb just gifted us with today. I feel like we entered his meditation on Jesus. Could you feel that? The the breadth and wonder of Jesus that we got to enter for a moment. So let's stand together. And what I hear the invitation from Caleb's message, and I hope you hear from the Holy Spirit, is come come and dwell with me. Come and think on me. There are things about Jesus we don't know yet. Oh, God, have mercy on us when I think I know what's going on. Like, boredom may be the worst sin when it comes to God. Because if I'm bored, I have no idea what I'm dealing with. He's so beautiful. Endless. Immeasurable. Um, We're going to finish by praying for those who are far from God. You and I have gotten a taste of what he's like. But there are people who have no resource... When they're despairing, when they're anxious, when they're frightened, because they don't know Jesus yet, they don't know this one. So let's bring those people in your relational circle. If you just see, sometimes it helps me to see their faces in my mind, just bring them up. May they be like we're bringing them before the Lord. And let's pray this prayer together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Let's think on Jesus this week. Have a great week. We love you. Amen.